We are in the condition we are in, in the state of ignorance we are in, in the state of war, in the state of economic depression, in the state of depletion of the resources of our planet because of the greed of psychopaths who thought they could create their own reality. Well, look at the reality they created. You're listening to Behind the Headlines on the SOT Radio Network, the world for people who think. Welcome to Behind the Headlines on the South Radio Network. My name is Joe Quinn, and with me this week, as usual, is Neil Bradley. Hi, everyone. Neil is going to be revealing something very special. He is. Uh, on this week's show, so you just have to wait to find out uh, what it is. Um, we also have, or rather had, well, let me start with Bahar. Uh, Bahar Azizi is a Dutch SAT editor and journalist type person, and she's with us also. Bahar? Hi, everyone. Hi. Uh, great to have you here. Welcome. Uh, Thank you we for had, me. Yeah, excellent. Uh, we, um, we had Alan and Shane, who are two of our English SAT editors as well there in the U.S., uh, they were on the line just until I wanted to talk to them, and then they dropped. So they're going to appear back soon anyway, I think. I hope they will. Oh, wait, maybe that's them now. Um, that's Shane and Alan, co-hosts of right, The Truth Perspective. Exactly. They're, those are the two guys who do this. Uh, among, uh, with, with, with other people, they do um, um, The Truth Perspective on Saturdays. So, um, pretty sure I can get them on the line here. Well, anyway. Hi, uh, Alana Cheney there? Yes. Yeah. We're back. Wow. Wow. They're calling us from the deep. Yeah. They're reporting from 20,000 leagues under the sea. Hey, you got an echo there, guys. Can you hear us? Hello? Anyone there? When the... Yeah. Can you hear No. Not very well. <laughs> I think if you ask and we hear you, the answer is no. Yeah. There's an echo and you're cutting in and out, so... Why don't you hang up and try again? Anyway, yeah, yeah. Try another time. Or, or speak again and see if we can, see if we got anything better there. No. Uh, okay. Um, sure. Glad to be here. Keep keep talking, Shane. Any of that? No, I think you guys need to hang up. I think you guys need to hang up and call in again. Once more, this right, time with Gusto. This time with passion. Okay. All right. Okay. Anyway, um, where are they reporting from anyway? Antarctica. No. 
train a lot of journey from the U.S., but they must have a poor internet connection. Okay, so we'll try and get them back. And in the meantime, Joe, you forgot to announce the date. Our listeners need to know today's date. It's Sunday, February 7th, yes. 16. Yes, in the year of our Lord. <laughs> our Lord Superman uh, 2016, also known as third year, into our third year almost, um, or well, more or less into our third year now on the crappiest internet radio hosting service on the internet, which is Low Talk Radio. Anyway. But not for much longer. Not for much longer, yes. We are moving to our own site, which will have much better audio quality than we're having to deal with right now, because, of course, we don't like to have this boring monologue at the beginning of every show where we're actually trying to just, you know, do really difficult things, like talk to someone through our internet radio interface, you know, just have a simple voice uh, over the internet type of thing that, you know, that you'd think would be a fundamental part of an internet radio service, and we have to kind of go through this process uh, because, well, we're blaming Blog Talk Radio, because we've tried it ourselves, and doing it ourselves, you don't have a problem. But when you ask someone, when you pay someone else a lot of money to do it, they give you the shittiest service imaginable. That's the way the world works today, people, in case you haven't noticed. Anyway, that brings us to our topic for this week's show, How Shitty the World Is. (laughs) And um, what we're not going to do about it, (laughs) because it can all go to hell as far as we're concerned. Well, it is actually going to hell. So, yeah, uh, we just wanted to this week talk a little bit about some of the major aspects of the same kind of things that have been popping up over and over again, they just won't go away. And I'm sure everybody's pretty bored with the fact that, uh, annoyed, irritated with the fact that these things just keep, uh, keep being shoved in your face every time you look at uh, news headlines or look at the web. You know, you want to just go and look at the internet, find something, find out something maybe, you know, even, uh, but you happen to accidentally stumble on a news website and you get this litany of, Complete and utter nonsense, chaos, ridiculous, political, social, everything, you know, pop culture, everything is just completely ridiculous, right up to the level of, I mean, including all the things that are meant to be serious, you know, like politics, you know, the, the, for example, the election of the the the, the next uh, U.S. general election, uh, that's going to be a pretty serious topic, you know, but you have, uh, you just browse the headlines and that kind of thing and you see all sorts of ridiculous Headlines and videos of these so-called politicians acting like complete and other, complete and other imbeciles. You know, uh, I mean, and that's supposed to be you know, that's, that's top level. Though. These are the people who run the country, quote unquote, or run the world, if you believe in American exceptionalism. Uh, and and you have people like, um, as we mentioned in our blurb on the show here, um, Donald Trump saying stuff like, uh, you know, uh, I could shoot someone and not lose voters. That's, I mean, what kind of thing is that for someone who's meant to be in a position of almost ultimate responsibility on this planet to turn around and say, as part of his campaign, vote for me because I could shoot someone and not lose voters. I could shoot my voters and not lose those voters, except they would be dead. But if I got them to vote for me before and then I shot them, you know, they would still like me. That's how cool I am. What? Well, he's, he's like a front runner for the president. This is the kind of crap this guy is coming out with. You know, and he recently said, I'm, and he's, he recently said, I'm going to bring back, if it was me, if I'm president, I'd bring back a hell of a lot worse things than waterboarding. 
I heard that one. What like did he what? mean? Freaking yeah. backing up a second. What did Donald he mean Trump by Donald Trump wings or something? What do you mean by? I, I'm. I could shoot somebody. What, what was he? What was he talking about? I don't understand. Well, neither does he, and neither does anybody who listened to him. He, well, he, it sounds like what I mean. You have to assume with Donald Trump and most of the rest of them. You have to kind of assume <clears throat> that uh, that what they say is what they mean, or that they actually know what they're saying. So you think he's got a point behind what he says, and when he says certain things, you think, well, that must mean something because he wants to. He's trying to say something, but. Um, that's maybe a fallacy. Maybe that's the wrong way to go about it. Because, but in this case, you would assume that he means that he is so cool. He's so popular at this point. Yeah, he's so popular. He could shoot he someone. Could do he could do whatever. Like that, and he, could he wouldn't someone. put a dent in his popularity. Right. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that kind of bravado, that kind of stuff, that's schoolyard stuff. That's jock. That's like 16-year-old jocks mm-hmm. in, a, uh, you know, in a high school talking to each other. And this is supposedly some guy who's meant to be the leader of the free world. I mean... It's beyond a farce. How is anybody meant to take this seriously? I mean, it's complete not a joke. And you'd think it's kind of some kind of joke, like it's some kind of a that there's some at some point they're going to come along and say, "Ah, oh, we're just joking about the Trump thing. That wasn't really serious." But they're not. This guy could probably be president. And then, I mean, you know, you look at the alternatives, and you've got um, well, you got Hillary Clinton. You know, uh, anybody with half a brain looks at that woman, listens to the kind of things she says, and realizes that she's a stone-cold killer psycho. You know, and that's your alternative. Do you want the psycho lady who would, like, uh, who would stab you as quick as look at you and then cackle about it? Or do you want the buffoon 16-year-old jock in a grown man's body with really bad hair saying, I could shoot people and I could still be president? Uh, you want him to be your president? Or you want the psycho killer lady to be president who likes killing people and laughing about it? Or do you want the guy who makes jokes about killing people and he could still be president? Or do you want the other kind of also rans who are um, Ted Cruz, like who is, you know, a very very creepy person who can't help coming across as a very creepy person? He, he doesn't have to say very much; you just have to look at him. But when he says something, that makes it actually a lot worse. Then you know he's a really really creepy person. And uh, you know, even his own daughter. Uh, if there's a video of him trying to kind of like kiss his daughter goodbye, and she's like, it's like. It may may as well have been Satan trying to kiss this girl because of the way she was trying to get away from him, uh, which is totally understandable, you know, because the guy just oozes slime. He just he doesn't have anything other than yeah, I'm yeah, a slimy yeah. creep and I want to be president. Apparently, that flies these days. If you want to be president of America, you have to be a, a big idiot infantile doofus uh, in an adult body with a silly hairdo. Then you can have a good shot of being president. You can be a killer psycho bitch who laughs at people being sodomized on TV then you can't have a good shot of being president. Or you can be just a creepy, like, Pee Wee Herman kind of, creepy Pee Wee Herman kind of guy. Uh, then you have a good shot of being president, you know. Uh, but other than that, forget about it. If you're a normal person, forget about yeah. it. You know? Any smarts need not apply. Um, I don't know much about Ted Cruz, but I saw this video you're talking about. I mean, it's... It, typically, there's a stereotype about politicians, you know. They'll go and set up a scene, a photo op, where mm. he kiss a baby. Mm. And it's usually someone else's baby. The guy can't get a kiss from his own daughter. I know, <laughs> yeah. running for the presidency oh, of the United States. But the day later, he wins. Uh, he beats Trump. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. In the Iowa. What's going to happen here is that, you know, you're going to go to different um, <clears throat> different states and stuff, and you're going to find uh, that either uh, creepy Pee Wee Herman 
uh, you know, kind of a um, sleazy guy, Ted Cruz, is going to win by a bit, just over, you know, 16-year-old and an adult body jock who likes to, you know, make stupid jokes and say, I'm the coolest person on the planet. Uh, it, Donald Trump, you know, Ted Cruz might win a little bit over him, depending on the state, you know, depending on which which of those two obnoxious, or in the case of Hillary, uh, killery, psycho, psycho knifing, you know, knife woman that would kill you as quick as look at you. Um, it just depends on which of those three personalities are more uh, repulsive to people, or you know, or, the, or which one is the least repulsive, and that's the one that will win. You know, um, but we can't leave out, of course, um, <laughs> the, uh, the 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 stunning char- charisma or the stunning, stunningly charismatic figure of good old Jeb Bush, who's also theoretically in the running. Here, he's got a Bush going again. Uh, he's like, um, he's more or less like George W. Bush, but with droopier shoulders and not so much of a drawl, but just as stupid, you know? Uh, like, and he's, but he's actually a little bit more pathetic because George Bush was too stupid. W. Bush was, was too stupid to realize um, kind of his own... His own patheticness, or his own, his own, you know, how, how he was just not commander in chief material at all. He really believed it, but unfortunately, poor Jeb is more or less the same. But he kind of seems to have an inkling that he is actually just this pathetic individual, you know, because um, and and that doesn't come off well, you know, when you're when you're already stupid, it doesn't come off to uh, it doesn't really help your game if you can realize that you're also a bit of a loser, which he seems to. <laughs> have an inkling of now and again like so um uh-huh. he uh for example he was at the uh he was giving some town hall speech or something yeah yeah and uh he he gave this rousing kind of like i'm gonna make well no america better y- well he, what you're he, giving it more than he could give but uh, right well he what was he was trying to he give was trying to say this he was trying to say because i'm tired of america having to look after everybody and stuff and but America is going to be the country. If I'm president, I mean, America will be the country uh, where... And what he wanted to say was America should uh, speak softly and carry a big stick. But he said America should stand up uh, for itself and not have to, you know, always carry a stick or uh, or whatever. <laughs> and then he's like... And he, so he says all this, kind of, this fumbling kind of uh, statement... And then he stands on. He's got these like droopy shoulders. He's kind of like flapping his arms at the side, talking to these people. And then he pauses at the at the climax of his pathetic mm-hmm. speech, and nobody says a word. No, there's no not a noise. But and everybody's like, he's like, no, that's where that's you know when you watch all these presidential speeches when the people when the when the candidates mm-hmm. speak uh, and and raise their their pitch up to a certain point and and end on a particular point. That's a, and then there's a slight pause. That's the cue for people to clap, but yeah. nobody clapped. Yeah. And he had to say to them, "Please clap, please clap," and so they all clapped. I wish more they did, you know, enthusiastically. And there were a couple of woots as well. Woo 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 woo. Woo woo. You're well. such a loser. No, now, nobody wants to clap spontaneously for you. You have to ask them to clap. And I'm so I'm. I just love my presidential candidate to have to ask people to clap after he said something. The thing is, that's always the case. These town hall meetings slash. Press briefings slash, um, uh, what do they call them? Uh, r- r- a rally? Yeah, basically a rally. You know, they've got a certain list of towns. Meet the idiot rally, yeah. Sometimes it's called town hall, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, 
places where they give speeches when they're running for president, the audiences are always, in general, there's a little bit of different thing going, a different thing going on with the Democratic speeches. But anyway, the Republicans certainly they're always selected. Yeah, it's huh. careful who's in there and who is then standing behind or sitting behind the candidate. Who's going to be in camera view? We've got to make sure we've got enough uh, black people, enough Hispanic, uh, enough old people, and so on. That's all carefully orchestrated. The, the, what's interesting about this is not that they didn't clap because they didn't have an interest in Jeb Bush, but that he was so flat, he couldn't prime them to do what they were supposed to do. Right. He had to actually ask, at this moment, please clap everybody. Yeah. And, and, then they, and then they gave it, you know, well, as good as they were going to give. Yeah. But it wasn't so much, it wasn't that the audience did not have decided they disliked Jeb Bush as candidate for president based on what he was offering them. Mm. It was that he was unable to at least act what he's supposed to do for the rest of the play to take place. Well, he wasn't able to act presidential or, or give a kind of rousing speech yeah. or provoking people, uh, even at the, you know, the... A sentiment of, of something, yeah. Where they wanted, to, where they felt something, what, what he was saying. He just, you know, wandering, wobbling around the stage with his droopy shoulders, saying the same thing that they all say, which is, "I'm going to make America great again, and America needs to be great because you know America is great, but it's not great anymore, and and, and things should be great in America, uh, particularly America itself should be great, and I, as president, would like to make America great again by uh, doing great things for the American people." and having the American people do great things for America. And that way, America will be great again, if you understand. It's quite a complex thing. <laughs> so, I mean... It's and, so easy. There are these stock phrases. All you have to do is say them. Yeah. So Half uh, convincingly, and he couldn't. Yeah, he couldn't do it, and, and he had to say, oh, please clap, please clap. And, and if they didn't clap, he would have then broke down crying, you know, because uh, he's like, I spent a lot of money on this, you know, I mean, and I hope to get it back sometime, and, you know, you need to clap for me because... I want to be president like my brother was, you know. So uh, anyway, it's pretty pathetic. It's just he's, he's hard to comment on it because it's so pathetic, you know. You think everybody, it's it's actually a travesty. It, it's it just strikes me as something that should not be happening because it's so farcical. It's gone way beyond. It's gone beyond the realms of just you know uh, uh, propaganda and and bluff and bluster. It's actually gone into a farce with the kind of things these people are saying and the way they present themselves. So nobody should um, be taking it seriously. But the fact that the media are all still analyzing it and people are sitting down and going, mm, who am I going to, uh, uh, who, who am I going, it's like literally who am I going to vote for as president? Who do I like the best? The psycho killer bitch, the 16-year-old jock with an IQ of 80, in an adult body and very bad hair, or sleazy, creepy Ted Cruz who just oozes, oozes, ooze basically, and creeps everybody out just by standing there looking at them, uh, or Jeb Bush who's like, if possible, if it's even possible, is like worse than George W. Bush, and you meant to, you meant to pick from those like you know you can Coco the Clown one, Coco the Clown two, Coco the Clown three, and which one acts more ridiculous? And uh, I'll. Oh, you know, which one acts least ridiculous, I'll take him him or her most seriously. It's just beyond, it boggles my mind that it's actually even happening. It's like we live in some kind of fantasy theme park or fun fair kind of like 
uh, you know, Hall of Mirrors reality or something now where this can even possibly happen, where, you, where politicians don't even feel responsible enough or aren't responsible enough or are so idiotic. I've got to the point where it's so idiotic that, that, that this is what we're dealing with. We're dealing with idiots. Like, it's idiocracy. If anybody's seen the movie Idiocracy, it's Dwayne Elizondo, uh, what was his other name, something Camacho, uh, you know, with uh, M16, you know, shooting it off in Congress and shouting, you know, we're going to make America great again, no? Because electrolytes. And, <laughs> uh, that's what plants crave. And um, it is actually as, as bad as that almost, you know what I mean? Really. So the guys are back, I think, are they? Lane and Shane, Alan and Shane? Yes. Yeah, we think we are. Can we sound yeah, okay? Hear you. Okay. Oh, good. Yeah, so I don't know if you guys were listening there. We were just ragging on the on the the potuses, the potential potuses. <clears throat> um, it's just beyond. I don't know what you guys think. You guys, maybe you guys have just decided not to look at it anymore because it's you know, I was going to say it's too close to home, but the problem is that America is very close to everybody in the world these days. It's uh, it's right there in your face, you know, like Coca Cola. And yeah, that's kind of the thing, like with uh, the polit- the U.S. political system. It's it's so bad, and it's so bad. But on the other hand, you know, uh, it's, it has so much influence in the world, and that's what makes it so dangerous. I mean, it's, 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 I'd say it's embarrassing, but, you know, I, I, uh, I think I've long since identified at all with, with any kind of hope for, um, for the United States. Because there's, it's so deeply, deeply corrupt. That you know, I, it's it's a uh, it's farce to think that you know uh, a U.S. candidate for president could could change any anything here. I mean, it's 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 gotten that bad, and you know, and right. even even now when when you have you, even if a you know somebody you know whoever does get elected, you know there is no they have no power. You know, whoever whoever does get selected, I should say, you know, uh, it's just because. That they will follow through with uh, the the empire's desire for, for more war and, and and devastation across the world. Yeah, I mean, I think I mean that's that's very true. I think and I think it even goes beyond that, where the people who select these people to be president are pushing them, uh, are you know funding and selecting these people to be candidates for president, just to see how fa- how much how much farce they can push on the American people, how, how, how far they can push the American people. Like, I mean, it's one step away from bringing a clown, you know, a career clown in and having him run for president and then seeing how the American people react. And because a lot of the American people are just so clueless about this and have been so just, uh, you know, their, their minds have been so desensitized to anything real and honesty and truth and, and sincerity and integrity... Uh, they've been brought up on a diet of like you know not just literal diet of food of toxic food and stuff but toxic propaganda through TV and you know unreality basically through movies and reality TV shows. These people are almost the people who select these presidents who push them forward. The money, the interest behind them, are doing it just to see how much they can get away with. If they could push like basically a clown like Donald Trump on people. And have them actually vote for him, or have them think and accept that they've voted for him, because of course there's a good chance that your votes are rigged to a certain extent or whatever. And like we said, people are selected anyway. But if they could put Donald Trump in as president of America, um, 
and people then accepted it and said, okay, this is my leader, what would they be saying about themselves, you know? I mean, just take it the next step further and imagine it was actually a clown, a career clown became president with a big red nose and funny hair and big long shoes and a flower that squirts water. And he got up and he told jokes at the presidential, you know, inauguration and State of the Union, it was all about jokes and horns, you know, those <coughs> horns and stuff. And that was his speech. And people clapped and stuff, you know. Uh... <laughs> I'd like to see well, that, on actually. The, but. Well, you might. Go on. On, yeah. the, on the subject of um, Trump, there was this uh, little story that came out last week um, where he was forced to land his plane. Uh, and, of course, this is just around the time of the Iowa caucuses, and um, there was some... Um, accusations on the part of the uh the the Trump campaign that uh that Ted Cruz had stolen uh managed to steal matters ultimately but uh that Ted Cruz's campaign managed to steal uh some votes from him somehow and um and so you know I I was wondering if that uh that forced landing uh, from for Trump's plane, um, you know, there was some speculation as to whether or not it was a uh, that there was some kind of you know message being sent to the Trump campaign uh, mm. to shut up and and stop uh, stop saying things about the the Iowa caucus and the the, mm. the fact that uh, Cruz's campaign may have taken votes from him because mm. another, another interesting fact is that Cruz. Um, is also being supported financially by Bill Gates. And mm. apparently, Bill Gates is... Um, yeah. Isn't that Marco Rubio? Or is it Marco Rubio? Yeah, I think the conspiracy is a bit more... The theory is more convoluted than that. I think he's backing Rubio, and mm-hmm. the votes that Rubio got that would have otherwise gone to Trump... Trump seemed to be suggesting after the fact were enough to make him lose it to Ed Cruz. But anyway, yeah, that's that, that's the Trump side. The Trump team is uh, is is calling foul on the results of the caucuses, and they're blaming Bill Gates. Well, it it kind of made me wonder if um, if maybe you know for so many months you know. Trump has taken the the spotlight in the entire campaign, even more so than Hillary. And, uh, you know, for bread and circuses purposes, this may have done, you know, this, this might serve well, but now it's it's kind of time to buckle down a little bit, and uh, and the elite doesn't, doesn't want Trump kind of taking the limelight anymore. This is your theory. Let's put it to the test. Possibly. Why would I don't know. they not want Trump? Well, Trump has obviously said some things about uh, favorable about Ru- Russia and Putin. But that was something that crossed my mind. That's a big no-no. Um, absolute no-no. The, I mean, the other thing is they, he's more independent in the sense that he didn't come through a political system. He's just arrived here. This is his first foray into politics. Um, can we control this guy? Probably. But uh, I think they would always prefer a career politician. 
to ultimately emerge as winner. Because they have all a whole catalog of files in their history going back about this person with which you control them or her. So it might be it might be an element of that, you know, Trump has got this uh, he's crazy, but he's also got this independent streak or something that they're they're wary of. Yeah. Less controllable. Perhaps. Or just just too erratic that he would make mistakes that, you know, in, inadvertently because he's, cause he's stupid or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just a sorry state of affairs. And um, really, I mean, at this point, it doesn't matter. And I think that I don't know what percentage of the American population uh, have kind of switched off, not because they see that these are a bunch of idiots uh, that are vying for being president, but uh, probably very few people realize that most people, I think, in the U.S., and this is true in many other places around the world, that they, they're just not interested in politics anymore it's because it's such a it's such a, shy, a show, you know, it's like a freak a freak show, you know, uh, and it's all just bluff and bluster and, and nonsense that most people just aren't interested. Most people give up probably a long time ago even being interested in um, in politics in general because they realized... Uh, if not, if it, not necessarily that they developed a theory about it, but they they realize com- almost viscerally that polit- politics has nothing to do with their ordinary lives. It has no relevance, no bearing on their ordinary lives, at least not in a beneficial way. Sure, they might see how it has an influence, a negative influence on their lives, but they realize also that they can do nothing about that because no one's there listening to them. So they're not getting anything out of po- out of politics or politicians that would help them in any way. So especially, certainly not at the national level. So um, they just switched off, you know. And, of course, there's lots of distractions for people to switch off and just uh, ignore that whole area and, and let them let them carry on, you know, let them do what they want. Do any of you guys... Um, what, what do you think of Bernie Sanders? Well, you know, it seems to me that each election, uh, the... Yeah, the movers and the shakers, they kind of need uh, somebody who can ju- just give a, a just a slight uh, glimmer of hope that, you know, things can change uh, for the better. better. Somebody who has just a, a little bit of rationality. I mean, yeah, right. You know, I, I think uh, it, Sanders has that a little bit when it comes to domestic issues um, and perhaps just a tiny, tiny, tiny bit when it comes to foreign policy, but... You know, he's. Uh, I, I think you know, it's just a, it's just part of the the farce. You know, it's it's not it's not anything real. Um, yeah, Sanders. I, you know, I see a lot of people in the alternative community who you know are are quote feeling the burn. You know, and 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 really pushing for him. But it's it's the faith in the political system that you know is is i think missing the mark here because uh, it's it's not just you know what candidate represents it's it's really the whole political system that is just completely um yeah just completely corrupt and and so you know one one guy in in the US isn't going to miss anymore yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, Bernie Sanders strikes me as uh, it's kind of like, it's almost like Ron Paul Redux mm. from, but from uh, the last mm-hmm. time. From the last time, yeah. Uh, and of course, 
the fact that Ron Paul was saying more or less, or appealed to the same kind of people and said the same kind of things, even if it was on the opposite side of a political spectrum, quote-unquote, but uh, he basically was the, the only one who spoke uh, of any note, who spoke uh, semi-rationally and, and, and spoke the truth and, and, and made sense, basically. And you see, saw what happened to Ron Paul. I mean, by any standards, at the, in the last election, when uh, the last two elections, no Ron Paul was involved. Mm-hmm. Um, at that time, I'm sure the vast majority of American voters would have been, yeah, let's have him because he makes sense, you know. But somehow... Uh, the shiny, shiny, hopey, changey kind of uh, Obama guy gets in uh, because, you know, he's pushed in, I suppose, and the same thing will happen this time. I mean, everybody in theory, if, if Bernie Sanders is your only option amongst Hillary, Creepy Cruz, uh, <laughs> Doofus, Doofus uh, Jock, Trump, and... Um, Jeb, please don't call me George Bush. And Jeb, please clap for me. <laughs> of uh, well then, yeah, that, you're going to pick Bernie Sanders, That right? happened to him. Jeb Bush went to, at the latest TV Republican debate, he's he's called out by the announcer, by the Fox News presenter or something. And, you know, each one comes out one by one from behind the screen. And the next candidate from Florida, George Bush. George oh, Bush. God. Oh, sh- <clears throat> sorry, sorry. I mean, that's how bad it is. <laughs> but does it matter? You know, it's a Bush. Just say, and uh, from and Florida, another Bush. the Bush dynasty. Another Bush. Here's a Bush. You know, they should just pull out an actual Bush, you know. <coughs> Here's a Bush, just because, you know, why not? There's been a few of them in there, you know. Here's the thing, though. You mentioned that Obama. I mean, Ob- and in the sense of... In the context of what we're discussing about, an elite behind these puppets who puts one out, pushes one out, or rigs assist, games the system so that their most favorite one ends up winning it. Mm. I mean, the last time, 2008 and 2012, they had that was a spectacular move. Absolutely spectacular. People voted for Obama in droves, especially the first time. Mm. And there was a guy who could string sentences together. Mm-hmm. Uh, said the right things right on cue and uh, yeah it was it was an amazing success what, how how come they haven't been able to come up with someone like that this time are the options that short or mm. well they don't care anymore I, th- I think so yeah I think that they don't really have any more options anymore like it's just it's it, it, it's really ridiculous um, there's an article up on that now that uh, Rupert Murdoch wants to see Carrie <coughs> Susan Carey get into the into the game, uh, yeah, just because Hillary seems to be tanking, and you know I I you know I, I have my questions about that too. I I, I tend to think that um, Hillary will will end up with uh, the the presidency just because you know she's she's the most qualified in terms of uh, that you know just masses causing mass massive uh, death and destruction all over the world, um, which you know, makes her the, the ideal candidate. I mean, she has, she she is the, um, just the ideal um, representative of all the things that are wrong with with America. I mean, you could say the same for, for Trump as well, but, you know, Hale, uh, Clinton, she has, she has this background where she is um, you know, going in the direction that the, the elite want to go, 
and you know says all the things that that really do represent all the things that um, that the U.S. Is, is, has come to represent. Mm-hmm. Has Has Sanders mentioned anything about them? The Democratic Democrat Democrat caucuses being caucus in Iowa being rigged because I mean that was a lot more dubious on the face of it than what happened over the Republican version. He actually has, um, you know, he's come out and uh, wanted to have some kind of um, well audited recount. Um, unfortunately, uh, you know, it's like all the forces. Fired against him. Um, I forget what her name is. This I think it's Debbie Wasserman Schultz or something, who's one of the heads of the Democratic Party, came in and uh, effectively said, "No, you know, it's Hillary, uh, and we're not going to discuss it anymore." Uh, that's the short kind of story about that. Uh, but this lady, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, that's her name. Um, I mean, she's like a well-known, diehard uh, Hillary uh, advocate. So, I mean, you couple that with the fact that, um, you know, the the, uh, Microsoft had um, all of their technology installed to count uh, the votes in the Iowa caucus. Uh, And um, Bill Gates made no bones about being of Hillary Clinton, you know, it's just like that guy in the uh, uh, who was president of Diebold, effectively saying in the mid two thousands, early two thousands, we are going to deliver the election to you, George Bush. Uh, right? Yeah. I mean, it's that you know, it's it's that clear uh, that we're even hearing these statements coming out uh, in the alternative media. Um, that that there is a you know there is a conspiracy to put people into office um and it's all based on the technology and the and the power and um and who these guys decide they want to put in because they know that they're mm-hmm. going to get their uh their bread buttered at the end of the day by these people yeah they have a track record of doing right. Yeah, I mean, well, it's I just... That, go ahead, Shane. Uh, no, I was just going to say, you know, I think technology can can certainly play a part, uh, you know, in, in creating the, the votes, but I think a more important um, influence is, is basically the, the media and how uh, they'll direct people's attention. Um, because they do, I think they do, even with the rigging, I think they still do uh, want to present this of democracy, and uh, and so they do need to have this influence over people, and you know who who they are showing to uh, support. And I think that's a that's a major major in action engineering. Yeah, it's um, yeah. I think I think you're go right. Ahead, I think. Um, I, you know, I was just uh, when Shane said that, I was reminded of the um, when Howard Dean was running. Uh, I think in two four or two thousand and eight uh, for the uh, the Democratic um, nominee, and uh, here was a guy, you know, a doctor, 
pretty articulate, pretty well-meaning, uh, I guess, for a politician. And um, and I think I mentioned this some months back on a truth perspective. You know, he uh, he was at one of these um, campaign trail talks and started yelping, you know, started kind of, you know, screaming with enthusiasm, right? So these microphones um, that were right next to him kind of picked up the, yeah, yeah, which is literally what he sounded like. Okay. And the next week, the entire mainstream media came out and said, Howard Dean, unpresidential. And that was him. Mm. On, on the basis of, of this kind of, you know, enthusiastic yelp, they finally mm. got their, you know, their, their narrative set mm. where, you know, he's unpresidential. And so this yeah. meme was spread, and that was the end of the campaign for the man. Whether mm. or not he would have been a good uh, president is another story, I suppose. But um, I think that that's kind of how it works. And lately, you know, we're, we're seeing, you know, if you ever scroll down the pages of Yahoo News and you see all the articles, you, you, you come up with these, you know, you, you see similar things being said, of, you know, why Trump can never win or, or these other things that have less to do with the substance of the man than just kind of these pseudo, you know, analysis about him. So, yeah, I, I agree with what Shane said. I, I think that the media does play a huge part in shaping uh, mm-hmm. who we think is going to should be president. Right. Yeah, and I mean, it gets back to the gets gets back to that the point we were making earlier on, which is that um, you know the media is fairly uh, it pretty much works for vested interests um, uh, in corp in uh, in corporate America, and I mean it's part of corporate America America itself. But also, I mean, there's that um, <clears throat> the repeated claims by various different people that um, you know members of the media, high-level members of the media, either producers or even reporters, etc., are all in some way or other in the pay of intelligence agencies type of thing, where they're, it is made clear to these people that, you know, um, national security or, you know, the good of the country and stuff is at stake here, and you need to make sure that you're saying the right thing to the American people. You know, that goes way back to, you know, McCarthy and, you know, back back to the communist, uh, the, the, the Army area era, um, so I mean that that's a lo- that's a, a well entrenched, uh, long standing um, state effectively, um, where the media is effectively is not impartial, it's very far from impartial, and is working for, uh, like I said, corporate America, but also the the people who the, what do you want to call it, the shadow government, the deep government, whatever. But this idea that has been around for a long time as well that obviously the commander-in-chief isn't the commander-in-chief he doesn't make the decisions, the president is just a puppet head, well when you think about the president of America, just think about the Queen of England pretty much exactly the same role um, and the people who actually run the country are select groups, you know ensconced in, in little areas you know, even within Congress or in, within the Senate, but also with ties to intelligence agencies, etc., and I see the intel agencies who have, for many, many decades, decided uh, American. I'm talking here about the FBI, CIA, NSA, and all the rest of them. Uh, they're the ones who have determined and directed the course of American domestic policy and foreign policy, um, and they do it independently. 
and beyond any any oversight uh, of of uh, Congress or the President or anything like that, who are just largely just figureheads there to keep the American people uh, believing in democracy, which hasn't existed in America for a long time. So, um, yeah, the idea that people—I mean, it's just it brings it back to the idea of it being such a farce that people would be all get would be getting all excited and waving flags for their candidate who's going to the country when it's so far from that idea is so far from the truth of the matter it's just it's ridiculous you know the whole the whole situation is like a really bad reality show tv you know it's like it's, the, the feeling i get is just looking at what's going on in the world and the way it's being conducted knowing what i know and what we know about how things actually operate uh, is that it's like a really really bad um kind of reality tv show that as it goes on uh it becomes more and more disturbing more and more jarring and you know disgusting to watch it just upsets your kind of whole sense of you know it's just not wholesome in any way it's mm. ridiculous it's farcical but unfortunately you are to a certain extent forced to kind of keep watching it but in the process as it gets more and more ridiculous more and more farcical and descends into more and more chaos uh, that actually serves a purpose of you you the, the person watching it uh, feeling m- more and more distanced from it, less and le- you feel more less and less um, identified with it or, uh, you know, like it can't be anything because they, they, they diverge increasingly so much from your own understanding of the way the world works and what the normal human values, etc. are. And you see these people as representatives of the human race diverging more and more from uh, from your own values. You increasingly kind of uh, remove yourself from or, or or detach yourself from uh, any identification with this. You know, you're happy to just kind of, okay, let them let them go and do their thing, you know. You're no, you're no longer invested ultimately in, to a certain extent, in the fate of this world type of thing because you realize it's going to, to a really ridiculous and probably very bad place and you're not, you realize you're not going there. I can't go there. I'm sorry, but I can't do what you're doing. I can't be involved in that kind of uh, pantomime that you're that you're putting on. You know. Well, you mentioned Joe how how much of a uh, this this political race is, is like a reality TV show, and you know, just, I just find it pretty ironic that you know the uh, Trump, the front runner in, in in the Republican Party, like you know he's he was. He did have his own reality TV show, you know, and mm-hmm. you know, and it, it, it is. It's, it's you were saying earlier too how how much of a just how much of a circus this is, and when you watch um, when you watch the debates, which you know I, I I never watched a full debate and I probably won't, but you know I'll, I'll catch highlights here and here and there, and it is just it's so dumbed down and uh, ridiculous. The question, even the questions that are asked from, you know, these uh, supposed reporters, you know, it's it's just so very base um, uh, that, that it's 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 appalling. I mean, um, I think it was the the last debate with um, Sanders and Clinton. You know, there there, and this this is a question that comes up, you know, repeatedly. What is the what's the biggest threat to the United States? And I mean, what a ridiculous question! Like, and, and that's like a—it's it, such a focus 
for the right answer was America. mosquitoes, right? Yes. Yeah, Clinton had the right the right answer, which was Russia. Uh, oh. Yeah, and oh, is that is that what you said, Neil? <laughs> no. <laughs> What's the biggest threat to the United States? The right answer should have been mosquitoes. But anyway. Oh, mosquitoes, yes. <laughs> well, because you're right. It's such an absurd question. How can you get a, a, an accurate point-blank answer to that? But, of course, they're pre-programmed to go, okay, I understand this question. This is the question where we're put to the test. Do we know the ABCs of who our number one world threat is because of all the secret agenda of what we really are, which is an empire? That automatically goes to the person's mind when they hear the question. They don't actually think about it. And then they go, oh, yeah, Russia. Mm. But it has, it has, it's so disconnected from reality, you may as well answer mosquitoes. Mm. Yeah. Which is to have more objective basis in fact. Or you could just say scary things. Yeah. What's the, what's the scariest, what's the biggest threat to America right now? Well, I would say the biggest threat to America right now is the things that uh, threaten America. Um, particularly, I would say the biggest one of those would be the one that is probably the biggest threat right now. Yeah, the biggest threat right now is, is the most uh, threatening thing to America. And uh, on scary things, the most scariest, the scariest thing would be the, 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 that which is the scariest thing. Like that, you know, that's scary. You know, maybe the boogeyman, for example. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, you tell me what's scary to you, and that's what's scary. You know, what what scares the American people? Scary things. Anything I can think of that I can scare them with, and then tell them that that's the biggest threat to America because it scares them the most. Uh, that was Osama bin Laden. I mean, that's kind of the way it is. You know, you just produce these threats. It's a pantomime, like you know, where you just pull out the, you know, the scary, uh, you know, the scary costume and throw it on the stage and you know, ask people at a pantomime. You know, what's the scare? What's the biggest threat to the pe- to, to, in this pantomime? You know, and they'll say, well, it's the scary guy who everybody shouts, look out, he's behind you. And he keeps turning around, and the guy turns around behind him, and he can't see him, you know, and everybody's, you know, behind you. Uh, that, that's what's scary to people, you know. Uh, that's the biggest threat to America from the American people's point of view, whatever they're told. Exactly. Shane, you were saying um, Sanders and the other Democrat, uh, was it just him and Hillary? They were being asked, what's the biggest threat to America? And they answered. Yeah, first, uh, uh, Sanders said ISIS. And then, okay. I, for some reason, I, I didn't catch why, but the uh, one of the the news reporters was was giving him some crap for it. So he, he changed his answer to, to North Korea uh, because they were, you know, outside of the international community and you know had nuclear weapons, blah blah blah. And and Clinton, of course, came out with uh, Russia. And because of you know their their support for the dictator Assad and you know all, uh, they're trying to annex uh, new lands and you know all this all this garbage that is basically what you said a rehashing of all the propaganda points that have been jammed down people's throats uh, since uh, you know the, the last couple of years. And yeah, it, she, it, she's it, thinking it, of what the bosses want to hear. Uh huh. Smart like that, she knows what the bosses want to hear. That's what the media is going with. So they, they adjust their their answers according to what they think is supposed to be said. Um, the so is Clinton is, is it basically just Clinton and Sanders in the running on the left? Is anyone else a serious candidate? I think 
just those two. I think there's also Martin O'Malley, um, who is like in heard with one percent. Yeah, he might have been like uh, governor. I want to say governor of Maryland for a while or something. Or yeah, you just yeah, answered yeah. my question. O'Malley. He dropped yeah. out, I think. Yeah, he did drop out. Yeah, okay. oh yeah. Just two of them. So it's Sanders Clinton on the left and maybe three on the right, but really it's looking like either Trump or Ted Cruz. How the hell did Ted Cruz get anywhere near? I'm trying to. The, the guy is so revolting. I mean, Trump is too, <laughs> but at least Trump <laughs> is entertaining. He's so unlikable. He's like a damn. He's like a possum. Awesome. A really ugly, angry fascist one. <laughs> Speaking of which, um, sorry, yeah. Oh, who's there? Pahar. Yeah, what do you think, Pahar, of the American election? Okay. I just have a small comment. I usually don't watch these uh, political debates, but I watched a little bit of the Republican debate. And... I mean, Joe and Shane, everyone, they're right. It really does look like um, like a big show. I mean, they, they present an issue and they make these promises and then people start cheering. And I'm kind of like, well, how do you know they're not lying? It's like they lost their ability to be critical and to, you know, to listen to them and say, okay, so that's what you want to do, but don't jump the gun and cheer for them because that's what people did when Obama was running for president, and look how many people are disappointed now. So I also noticed that there was a lot of um, fear-mongering going on in, in the questions they asked, like Shane said, you know, mentioning Iran being a big threat and, you know, North Korea and, and immigrants, and maybe people are just so afraid that, they take the best chance they can get in having some kind of protection. So I'm not really right. sure about that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. people people will be forced to. I mean, I think the process. Uh, and it's interesting that the, the focus is on in those debates is on what, or one of the focuses on on what um, what the biggest threat to America is because you know people are the American people are watching this. And they're hearing the idea that there's a threat to them, et cetera, you know. So and then there are these so-called leaders up there uh, answering how we're going to deal with this threat. And that obviously instills and reinforces the idea of authority in people's lives and, uh, most importantly, the idea of a threat or a danger to the people uh, which they need an authority to protect them against. So, I mean, it's just a mm-hmm. process. It's, it's actually just a, uh, you know, it's... They go through this kind of charade, effectively, of of just um, reaffirming the need for an authority in the American people's lives, and reaffirming to the American people that they need an authority in their lives. And this is what this vote's all about. It's about there being a threat to you, and you needing authority to protect you against it. Um, it's fairly, very, very childish in a way, you know. Although it's very fundamental to human nature as well. But mm-hmm. um, when you have these kind of people. And you look behind the scenes, look behind their words, and see the kind of people they are. These are like the really the worst people to be leading anybody yeah, because exactly. they don't give a crap about anybody, basically, except yeah. themselves. Well, it's become a, a very you know, American thing for you know the U.S. to create these enemies and 
and you know, just the whole political landscape is 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 based on this idea of um, that there is this boogeyman or boogeyman, and it's constantly it's been constantly driven through people's minds you know, since particularly since nine eleven I think it, it's it's one after the other and it's been nonstop um, right and it re- it reinforces this idea that uh, the American people have that you know the United States is this uh, world peacekeeper or you know the world's policeman, which you know is is a total lie. Well, it, unless you unless you compare it to their actual police force, then then it starts to make sense. I mean, like you know yeah. the way that it, that that's how the way that the um, everyday police act in the U.S. is how the United States acts on on the world stage. On a global stage. You know, big big bullies and you know, just just committing um unthinkable unthinkable crimes against people. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, they shoot you in the um, head first and then work out what your crimes were. It's uh <clears throat> it's interesting you mentioned nine eleven and I think it's important for people to always remember that nine eleven was that defining moment when everything changed because um it was unprecedented in terms of the 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 coming out, let's say, it was like a coming out, a coming out party. 9/11 was like a coming out party for the pathological psychopaths who rule, who rule and have ruled uh, the U.S. and largely the world for for quite a long time. But on 9/11, they came out and said, you know, this is what you know. We're taking control here. We're coming onto the stage and we're setting a new standard, basically a new standard of evil, basically. Well, they, you know, they they orchestrate this uh, this kind of 9/11 event and. Um, and then everything that has happened, think about everything that has happened since then. Of course, 9-11 was complete. Uh, the justification or the, the, the use of 9-11 to justify the uh, invasion of Iraq and Afghanistan and stuff uh, was a complete farce. It was exposed as a farce and a lie, a pack of lies, uh, not long after it actually happened. And uh, everything that we're dealing with today all the most important issues and all of these threats that people are talking about in the U.S., the presidential candidates are talking about, uh, all stem from the actions that were taken on the basis of 9-11. Uh, the world has been effectively set on a course to ruin and destruction right at the very level of the fabric of society because of 9-11 and the events that, that, were, that were initiated on that day. Uh, so... I mean, we can talk, we can segue here into the uh, the refugee crisis, so-called crisis in in Europe, which is which is being heavily pushed, and has been for the past year or more, uh, and that is directly uh, a direct result of 9/11. People maybe forget about mm-hmm. that because 9/11 was you know 15 years ago, but it's a direct result of 9/11 uh, because you know it, it set off. The warmongers on their imperial adventures into the Middle East, and uh, it's not hard. Most people with any awareness of of what's gone on over the past 15 years can see that um, the refugee crisis was a, a resulted from that invasion of uh, those countries in the Middle East. And it, today, it's um, it's being pushed by these same powers to create this refugee crisis. To not not only they create it by their warmongering and the destruction of countries like uh, Libya and Syria and Iraq, but they uh, then they actually facilitate 
Uh, I mean, th th those invasions and destruction of those countries create the ref refugees in a real way, but then the facilitation of the movement of refugees, there seems to be a lot of evidence that that is actually being deliberately orchestrated to push those refugees into Europe to then create social kind of chaos and upheaval and division within uh, European countries. Um, and for some, I mean, of course there's political rationale behind it all, all, all but it's still stems from this imperial aggression that began with 9-11. I mean, right now in Syria, you have, you know, these competing factions. You have Turkey, uh, you know, uh, worried about the Kurds coming to take a chunk of, chunk of, uh, of Syria. You also have the gas and uh, oil pipeline interests. Uh, Turkey's involved there. Well, of course, the Saudis and Gulf states are involved. They're all basically fighting with each other. And Turkey, but seems to be front and center because of its position in the, in the world, in that part of the world, and, and right next to Europe, Turkey seems to be playing a specific role in facilitating uh, the movement of refugees into Europe uh, as a way to, I don't know, achieve some bizarre, ridiculous uh, objective of Turkey's. But then maybe behind the scenes, there's another broader uh, agenda to simply um, give Europe, give European countries and the European Union a problem uh, with these refugees, uh, all the better to control them. And, of course, the people who want to control uh, Europe the most are the Americans, the American faction, because they're worried about Europe falling into the hands of Russia. Um, I mean, it's bizarre. It, uh, I was just reading the story today that the, um, the number of Syrians trying to cross into Turkey because of an upsurge in fighting in northern Syria has nearly doubled, according to a Turkish official. He said that the, um, there's something like another 75,000 refugees had reached the border uh, in the, the border in, in uh, the border of Syria into Turkey they, that they wanted in, and uh, of course Turkey was given three billion euros just late last year by the European Union to uh, deal with the refugee crisis, and now the European Union is having this. The, the, the leaders of the European Union are having to say to Turkey, "Hey, could you, uh, by any chance, use those three billion euros we give you to deal with the refugee crisis? To uh, you know, deal with the refugee crisis, as in you know, house them in Turkey, stop them coming in, you know." But of course, people are still fleeing uh, the 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 war, the ongoing war in Syria, and that war, despite Russian efforts, that war does not seem to be abating very much at all because it seems that the people behind it, the people who are funding and training these jihadis, this ISIS, Daesh, whatever you want to call it, these, these mercenaries from all around the world, the people who are funding them have an unlimited amount of money and, and, and supplies and resources to keep flooding Syria with these uh, basically mercenary fighters to create this chaos, of course, that forces uh, Syrians to, to leave the country. So at some point, I don't know, it all just gets a bit... Uh, it just takes on a life of its own almost. I think it gets almost gets away from or gets out of the hands of the people who think they were controlling it for a certain period of time. They had a specific objective. But at some point when they just push it too far, it takes on a life of its own. And at that point, you really have you have actual chaos, not even managed chaos anymore. You have real chaos. And um, no one knows where it goes from there, you know, except mm -hmm. downwards. Well, with the refugee crisis, you know, I, I think there are uh, there are a lot of parallels between between that and you know, the discussion of U.S. politics. 
which is you know, basically rooted in uh, this, this very fear-based mentality, which completely shuts down critical thinking. I mean, uh, I'm sure you know many Europeans, you know, aren't thinking about okay, yeah, we've been in this bad situation. Uh, you know, our economy is is in shatters and you know on the brink of collapse. Um, but all that all that angst and 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 uh, frustration and uh, fear is being channeled towards you know, these refugees and, you know, basically uh, being set up as, as a scapegoat. And so they're, they're both, they're manufacturing this problem, but also uh, they're trying to direct the, this, this solution, which is very, very frightening um, in terms of, you know, the, the direction that it's going. Yeah, it is. I mean, um, Bahar, you're in the, uh, in the Netherlands, um, mm-hmm. although in the Netherlands, I mean, it, it isn't maybe the primary country where uh, refugees are coming, but I think there are a few there. Um, what's your take on on the situation at this point? Um, well, we've had a lot of refugees coming in. There has been um, a lot of there has been a lot of uproar because of um, one particular political party, uh, which is uh, led by uh, Geert Wilders. And um, he has been telling people to make a stand and tell their governments that they don't want any uh, refugees coming in and because he tells them that it's you, the people, that has to pay for them. So there's been a lot of uh, violence against refugees and against these uh, groups of people who want to organize some housing and some food uh, for the refugees and some courses. And basically, uh, more and more Dutch people are against it. So that's kind of uh, starting to be worrisome. But then again, you have these groups of people who understand the point of view of um, the refugees and they do all they can to provide them a a good home and to provide them lessons in language or otherwise. So it's kind of, I, I won't say, I, I can't say if there's a balance, but it's it, it's wor- worrisome for me at least that I see that there's a lot of hatred going on. And um, it might be that the majority might agree that they don't want any refugees from wherever to come in Holland anymore. But, yeah. That, that's yeah. how it is currently. And, I mean, do, have you talked to anybody, Bahar, about uh, I mean, are you getting the word on the street uh, from anybody? Uh, any local um, local Dutch people or whatever, and what they think? Is there anybody that you have heard say a portion or, or put the blame at the doorstep uh, yes. of, of those who are responsible, which is obviously it's a no-brainer for people. It should be obvious that uh, the reason of these refugees is because uh, their homes are blown up by NATO. NATO uh-huh. bombed. Uh, yeah, and uh, Holland actually recently decided to bomb Syria as well. Usually, <clears throat> normally they just did Iraq, but now they added Syria to their list. 
And uh, I believe I read an article today saying that uh, Dutch bombs have caused civilian um, casualties. So, like you said, who are the real um, boogeymen here? It's, so it's the Dutch government. The refugees. Is- yeah. The Dutch government is going to solve the refugee issue in Holland by bombing houses and creating refugees in Syria who will then come to Holland, which problem will be solved yeah. by bombing houses in Syria and around and around it goes. It's so psychotic. Yes. Have you heard yeah. of them? Um, you, you probably have. You know the, the movement with the acronym PEGIDA? P-E-G-I-D-A? Uh, uh, German? Yeah, well, they were German. They were German. The acronym stands for Patriotic Europeans Against the Islamization of the West. There are now branches all over Western Europe. Well, they had lots of rallies. They didn't Mm -hmm. bring out, you know, torches and stuff. Not yet. We're not quite there yet, but they had rallies yesterday, I think, across Europe. Yeah. Um, I caught some footage of the one in England, and uh, people at the front were holding posters saying Trump and Donald that Donald is right mm-hmm. I thought that's, that's kind of fitting because here yeah. we are lampooning a farce go on yeah oh no sorry I was just uh... well we're lampooning a farce in the US right where there's who, these clowns are put up and we're wondering no, you know, who who's taking this seriously well the answer is like there's a sizable chunk of people who take it seriously in Europe too, um, yeah. and and they kind of they kind of find each other. You know, they find their level. They 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 sort of naturally come together in their um, association of ideas. Mm-hmm. So there are people marching in Europe, uh, backers of Trump. Not that their vote will ever count. To, Trump will never have mm-hmm. uh, their vote to thank for getting him into power if he ever does, but. Um, I I think it's I I don't know I don't know what I think of that it, it's it's just an interesting observation um, yeah so well you, you know Neil you, you don't yeah go on yeah I you know uh, there seems to be two camps of people um, in I guess the U S and in Europe uh, you know one. One group like Pegida that you mentioned, and that the uh, Baharids kind of seem the uh, political um, activism of, and then you have a whole other set of people who, like those people in Italy some months back, who are protesting NATO's um, incursions and uh, and war games in Europe, and and they kind of see where that whole thing is leading, and they get it. They get, I think, that this whole problem of migrants and refugees would not have occurred if the situation on the ground hadn't been created by the West to begin with. And, um, you know, that that's largely left out of the equation for most voters in the U.S., for instance, you know, it's all about reacting to the problems as they're being communicated or framed. And, uh, you know, no one, none of the questioners 
during any of these debates, for instance, would even go on and say, well, you know, what do you think of the fact that, uh, or the argument that we created this situation to begin with? Um, and that's why, basically, the default solution among most of these governments is uh, not to question uh, how these situations were created to start with, but let's mm -hmm. just go bomb Syria. I think the French had the same sentiment, the Brits, uh, you know, it, it's just this kind of, yeah, it's, let's, it's the react to the situation emotionally, because all of this is an appeal to the emotions. There's no information that informs people's reactions to all this um, among those in Pegida. And... And so I think that uh, those people of Pegida and those other organizations just don't, they either don't understand or they're not informed, and they're just reacting. And their worst impulses are being pushed like buttons. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and the, the political process adapts to appeal to that reactionary right. element. So this happens to be an election year in the U.S., so the rhetoric is all the more reactionary because it, it sort of it naturally taps into that what's going on at the moment it's not ju not just happening in the US I mean it's, it's similar in Europe as well mm -hmm. um, uh, you know you've got, you've got mainstream politicians in quotes on the defensive because what were previously fringe parties uh, saying things that they could ignore safely because nobody would it wouldn't have any traction in the general public. Well, the, those things are having traction now. And, uh, yeah, you, you, just, you just don't know where it's going to go. Yeah. We have uh, Stephen in Tampa Bay on the phone here. Hi, Stephen. Hey, Stephen. Hello, Stephen. Hello. Hi, Stephen. Hey, this is uh, Edward. This is Edward. How you doing? Edward. Yeah. Okay. I was told your name was Stephen. Okay. Are you in Tampa Bay? Uh, actually, no. I'm in uh, the Orlando area. Okay. But not far anyway. from Tampa Bay. Okay. Uh, well, go, go ahead. What's your, uh, you got something to tell us or some uh, question or comment or whatever? Well, I was just going to comment on the fact that I think the, uh, the, there's, uh, one constitutional candidate, Cruz, who has problems because he was born in Canada. And, um, I just don't know how it's going to go for his, uh, campaign. I mean, you know, Rand Paul was the, the other constitutional candidate. And both of these candidates want the Federal Reserve to be audited, and they want to return back uh, a lot, you know, downsize the district of corruption and return the power back to the states where it belongs. Uh-huh. Um, I just wondered how you thought about that. Uh, auditing the Fed, for example? Yeah, yeah. 
But what are the chances of that ever happening? A lot of people have said that in recent years. Or in recent, well, you know, you we know. had 51 votes out of, we only missed it by seven votes last time. And it's been going on, you know, I think it's, we, we're having a better chance the more people know about it. I mean, there's a good chance that that might happen. And also by reinstating states' right to making the states realize that that's what the United States is about, the states were the ones that formed the compact to give D.C. its existence in the first place, um, that we can actually do our own uh, form of uh, trade policies in our own state, you know, and, and use gold, silver, or in Colorado, they'll be using marijuana, same with Oregon, whatever, to trade and barter amongst ourselves without interference from the district of corruption. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The district of corruption, that's a good term for it, uh, Washington, D.C. Uh, yeah, those are all noble. I mean, certainly they are better options than what's going on right now, but um, how you implement them and how you reach a majority or a large number of American people with those ideas and have them get out in the streets and demand it, that kind of thing, that's the real problem. Well, but we are bringing it. I mean, in Colorado, there's a lot of people growing hemp now that never were. There's people that aren't in cages anymore that were. And, you know, um, we're bringing medical marijuana. Uh, we got on a ballot again here in Florida for this upcoming election. And, you know, I think that we're marching in the right directions by persisting, persisting, persisting for states' rights and showing. And, and the people, only 10% of the people favor D.C. So D.C.'s losing its favor because the people are starting to realize it's evil there. Both the Democrats and the Republicans are sold out. They're both corrupt. Mm. And, you know, it's, uh, I think the people in the United States are waking up. Are you going to, who are you going to vote for? Anybody? Well, actually, <coughs> I'm a registered libertarian. Mm. Although I consider myself an anti-federalist, but um, and I don't really believe in and the party systems, uh, Orwell said right. best about how the parties just exist for themselves. Um, but, you know, the convention's actually in Orlando in May, and we'll be choosing our candidate there. Um, I kind of like Rand Paul, but he's gone already. Who's, you know, I'm, I'm listening to him. I'll see what's going to happen with his campaign. At least he's talking the talk for states' rights and for getting back to the Constitution and for shutting down a lot of the programs in D.C., so uh, he'd be the one I favor in the Republic between the uh, two bottom-paid-for icons of the Federal Reserve, which are the Republican and Democratic uh, Party. I would probably say Cruz, and, you know, they don't like him. <laughs> so that's another reason to like him. If, if the establishment don't like him, that's a good reason to like him. So I would say I'd, I'd lean towards Cruz, although I never voted for a Republican or Democrat in my life for president because they never had a constitutional conservative. And that's mm-hmm. including Reagan, because, you know, Reagan was big on the war on drugs, and, and Reagan was one that gave us this amnesty bill in the first place that opened borders. They were supposed to close the borders, but they never did. And, you know, that's what's really gotten us in the mess we're at, because we got 15 to 20 million criminal invaders in our country that are driving down our wages, uh, using our um, you know, support systems that were funded by the state, costing us much, much more money. And they're not the, you know, um, the treasonous, the open border treasonous in, in both the Democratic and Republican Party want to keep this going. Mm. Okay, uh, listen, thanks for your, thanks for your call. Um, we got a couple other calls in the line here, but... Um, All right. Hey, put me on mute okay. so I can listen. Put me on mute. All righty. All righty. 
Uh, we have uh, Laurie. Hi, Laurie. She's in Idaho. Hello. How are you? Not too bad. How are you doing yourself? I'm good, but is Edward listening to the same radio show that I am? Uh, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I just I called to comment about um, how my husband watches TV news. I watch it sometimes, but it just blows my mind how much stuff is going on in the world that's really important, and all they ever have is fluff. And uh-huh. they don't talk about, like, the, the situation in California with the gas coming out of the ground and right. the sinkholes and, and the refugee crisis everywhere. And, and you don't hear about any of these major things on the news shows. They're more interesting mm. in, in uh, what's what's trending on Twitter and stuff. It just blows my mind. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing how what what's offered to people is probably 80%, like you said, 80% fluff and, and nonsense. Uh, and when they do talk about important things, they're not really the important things. They're the the kind of things that always seem to direct people's attention towards uh, authorities and believing in authorities. You know, like at, the, at yeah. this time, it, a lot of it's about which candidate you want to vote for, which leader you want to vote for, you know. And you listen to, like you guys were talking about, some of the things that the candidates say, especially Trump, it scares the hell out of me that he might actually win the presidency. What is yeah. the world going to look like if that happens? It's going to be it's 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 horrifying. I know it's just like some dystopian, weird, freakish, clownish reality that we just entered into, and it's like how did the, how do we get here? You know what I mean? Yes, it is. It's like oh my god, really? <laughs> but it's it's just the distraction that everybody that that is on the television all the time and. and yeah, I read thought um, and I read the news, and and it's like there's so many things going on that are really important, and nobody wants to pay attention to anything. Yeah, do, do, we're, do people we're around Americans you, are. Huh? Do, sorry to cut you off there, but do, do people do people um, that you know in your neighborhood, whatever, do you talk to them about, or do you get an idea of what they think about Trump, for example, or? I do. I talk to a lot of people, and most people feel kind of the same way I do that they don't believe that it's actually happening yeah. and I keep telling my and I keep telling myself I can't believe it's actually happening too and that his popularity is is it's freakish yeah or so they tell us he did just lose unexpectedly yeah. in an actual vote but even that he's a you know up there type thing is is right. really strange yeah uh, uh, it's, it's, it must say a lot about, uh, well, that's the problem. The, the question here is, like, I mean, you, you, you mentioned, Laurie, that a lot of people that you talk to feel like, feel uh, as you do about Trump, that he's just a, a freak, a clown, and uh, they don't know how it's happening. But, I mean, we're told that certain um, that Trump has a lot of support, you know, and you see these rallies and stuff, but still you can't get a good idea of just how many people in the U.S., for example, will actually support Trump. And it brings in the question of whether it's being kind of... Uh, managed in a certain sense that it is all effectively a kind of stage stage show you know and and uh, they may say that you know if trump were to become president uh it may be that only like 10 percent of the population actually ever intended to vote for him but somehow we can become president anyway you know yeah i don't know it's just it's i think one of you said earlier it's like we've entered some kind of different reality that's yeah I think we have. I don't know. I don't even know what to think. Yeah, well, it's like 
I, I don't know. I would just call it what it is. I mean, it's not hard to see that everything is just a bunch of. It's just. It really is like a, like a farce. You know, it's 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 uh, it's ridiculous. None of it makes any sense. None of it is sincere. None of it is honest. There's no truth anywhere. No one is actually. There's no yeah. no integrity amongst any of these people. So I mean, uh, the thing to think is that that's what it is. I think that's what you should just keep uh, constating or, or reminding yourself of is that this is just ridiculous. Uh, this is not something I want to be a part of. This is not something uh, I'm interested in, um, you know, supporting in any way. Yeah, and and just you know, I suppose you have to kind of wash your hands of it to a certain extent and just keep keep going as best you can. And but you know, and keep an eye on on the news, I suppose, uh, as well, because you never know. You might have to kind of like. You know, uh, take some evasive action now and again. You know, if some kind of Trump rally rolls yes. into town or something. Like that. Good point. Yeah. I don't know. I just yeah, lay low. Yeah. But watching it and yeah. living living within this whole crazy show that's going on, it's just mm-hmm. I keep and I telling myself, is it real? Exactly. Is this really happening? <laughs> yeah. What were you saying, Alan? Well, just that, you know, seeing it exactly for what it is and, and the way that you're describing, Lori, is actually a very healthy thing because um, in a way, you know, when you're when you're being compelled to choose your favorite candidate, you're kind of becoming unwittingly complicit in, in the acts of uh, all of the, you know, elitists and, and warmongers uh, of the U.S., uh, it's sort of like drawing you in and 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 making a person a part of um this uh this system in a way and um you know you, it, it it's sort of like uh it's sort of like not even thinking about uh, you know torture for instance and its implications and how evil it is you know a person has to kind of there's some things you need to at a very basic level, even just think about and take a stand on, if only for yourself. Um, yeah. Well, I tell people so, sometimes when I talk to people about like the refugee crisis, it, this has been done by our government in our name, mm-hmm. basically. And you know, I don't, I don't want to participate, but I keep that in my mind. It's, I know, it's they're doing it in our name. And it's horrible. Exactly. Uh, all over the world, we're wreaking havoc everywhere, and all we can do is, is bitch and complain and get a new big screen TV so we can watch the damn Super Bowl. And <laughs> I don't know. It's, yeah. It's well, it's funny. It's funny you mentioned that because um, there's an article on SOT right now by Andrew Vlitschek, who's a political uh, analyst, writes for New Eastern Outlook usually. And he's got a paragraph in his article, uh, Please Do Not Poison My Mind with the U.S. Elections. And he asks, you know, is this voting and following the elections just some expression of extreme intellectual laziness of the need for entertainment of the lowest grade? Is gazing at television screens and listening to the debates really so much different from just statically watching baseball or football games? 
If Mr. Trump or Ms. Clinton wins, it would most likely make the same difference as if the ball flew in between three poles on the right or left side of the field. And then he says, you know, for some people it matters. Tens of millions of fans in, in Europe, North and South America, see their lives revolving around these games, real games or video games. It is a matter of life and death. And so are the elections, even if they are meaningless and change nothing. So, yeah. you know, to us, it's this, it's this bread and circuses, you know, Super Bowl of political uh, elections. And even though it doesn't make a, a whit of difference who gets elected, you know, people's lives are on the line around the world based on, you know, which psycho comes to office. Yeah. Yeah. Not necessarily, no. That suggests that it does matter that you're invested in it and, to, and that you sway a certain outcome. No, it's, it's it's more like it doesn't matter. It's like you're watching the Kardashian show and it doesn't matter whether Aitlin or Kim wins because um, it, it, Cause it's not real, basically. It's not real. It, their, their existence and the system that they... Um, front for is real and has real life consequences for people. But whether or not they elected has no has bearing, no, no on, bearing what happens. on who gets to live and who gets to die. Exactly. Right. So people should just switch off and ignore it. The best thing everybody could do, actually, about the U.S. US presidential elections is just stop participating whatsoever. You know, withdraw any support or any interest in it whatsoever. Um, and obviously, at the polling at the polling station, thing that it would just be do not vote. I mean, that's for me. That's always been the most effective. Um, popular action that anybody can take is to not vote. Just don't go. Just do not vote. Yeah. You know, and then let them work it out. People are safe. Everybody is, it's, I mean, this authoritarian follower thing, I've been paying attention to people and watching since I've been reading about it on thought in the forum, and it's, people are so invested in backing a winner that they don't even notice anything else. They have their, this myopic vision, you know, oh, my guy won. Same with the Super Bowl. It's, it's just, they don't, they can't see past the end of their nose. Mm-hmm. And well, yeah. I don't know. That's, that's very similar to, you know, the impression that I've had when when speaking to you know, uh, various people about the, um, you know, the debates and, uh, you know, who's going to be president is that it is much more uh, similar to basically, and it, it's like a sports discussion. And yeah, this is my team, and I'm going to root for them, identify with them, and and you know there there isn't any underlying uh, concern uh, for you know genuine concern for for what's actually going on in the world and what's um, what's happening. Putting as a result of you know the uh, political system in the U.S. being so uh, just being so awful, I mean it, it is just more of a matter of yet you know wanting to be right or wanting to be you know the winner. Yeah, absolutely. When, um, when everybody's when everybody's actually losing in the end, I mean all of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just. Uh, Walk away, you know. I mean, I wouldn't. I mean, if, you, if people stop, people stop supporting football games. 
the people's interest in football games, for example, or any sporting events just evaporated overnight, those sporting games would end because there'd be no more revenue, no more interest, no more people, and there'd be no more need for them. So they would just go away. I'm not saying that would happen about with uh, politicians, but if nobody voted in an election, if there was zero votes, can you imagine? I mean, what would they? What would they do? What would they? What would they say? There would be a serious crisis there, and it would be, be making a very, very definite declaration. Of course, you know, anytime that idea comes up in the media, you have all sorts of media pundits come out and say, "Oh, that's a terrible thing." But how can you expect to participate in the in the process? You know, I mean, uh, how do you expect to change anything in your country if you don't actually exercise your democratic right to vote? You know, and you get these harpies, these kind of like sirens, yeah. sending out this message to infect the minds of people that they should no matter what happens you should get out there and vote all the time well you know what <clears throat> the, the most the strongest if, if voting is about making a statement about what you want and the strongest statement you can make is to not vote at all in particularly in the context or in the situation where uh, the people that you're being asked to vote for are a bunch of degenerates who do not deserve to be in any kind of office at all, unless it's, you know, the office of... With white padded rooms. Maybe. Exactly. Anyway, listen, Laurie, thanks a million for your call. Oh, and, thanks for talking to me, guys. And keep listening. Will we put you on hold, or do you want to no. keep listening this way? I'll, oh, no, okay. I'll go back and listen to my computer. <laughs> all righty. Have a good day. All right, thanks. Bye. 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 I'll just go, and uh, Kent's been hanging on here. Um, Kent, West Virginia, are you yeah, receiving us? Yeah, I'm How's here. Going, can you hear me? Pretty good. Yep. Um, yeah, well, um, I'm a little bit older than you guys, and I've been predicting since back no. in August. At dawn. <laughs> uh, and I've been predicting since back in August that um, Donald Trump's going to win. And uh, here's here's what happened. I... Um, I lived through the uh, Jimmy Carter experience back in 1976, and the parallels are pretty striking. You had, uh, at the time, you had coming off the Nixon Ford, uh, you know, everybody knew it was going to be a, a Democratic president. So you had like 12 or 15 guys, you know, come out of the woodwork to run for president, take your chance. And they were all like senators, congressmen, governors. They had, you know, they had jobs. And um, Jimmy Carter went out there, and he had, you know, he was, he wasn't rich, but he was affluent, and, and he went out there to and spent months out there kissing babies and shaking hands, and he had a Harvard-trained pollster, Patrick Cadell, and um, all of a sudden this, this caucus comes up, and all these nondescript guys, senators, congressmen, blah, 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 and out of this group comes this grinning goober. And he wins. He gets like 26%. I think somebody else got 24.3 or something. You know, the margin of victory. But anyway, he got he was he was on the top of the heap. And all of a sudden, the media just swarmed over him, and it was just uncontrollable. Now, who is he? And here he was smiling, and his slogan was, trust me. And he had a big grin on there, and all oh, he just captured... You know, and Americans just went stupid and crazy, and there just was absolutely no stopping him. And uh, we all know what happened. It's my impression that the same thing's happening with Trump. You know, he had all these bland characters, and out comes he. You know, he's insulting them and everything. And and so, I've 
and you know it remains to be seen whether I'm I'm right. But I've I've been on record since August, so and uh, I don't really relish it because I've always hated the guy. But I really hate all the other candidates too. So, but uh, and then uh, Jimmy Carter, you know, the, the, we really we only, we we have not more to go before there's an election, you know, and it seems like it's been going on for a year already. And Jimmy Carter's to blame for that because he success that he enjoyed meant that everybody else who wanted to, uh, you know, think about being president. I mean, you listen, you live, in, you live in this country, and oh, somebody's going to. I mean, it's it, you know, it could be three years ago. Somebody's going to Iowa. He's run for president. You know, and I mean, it's just, it's just idiotic. And uh, yeah. as far as the debates, I guess. Uh, uh, I guess we can really blame those on Kennedy because, you know, with the, there was Lincoln and Doug had debates like 150 years ago, and then I guess and then the Kennedy-Nixon debates, and then there weren't any debates, and then I guess about in the 70s or the 80s, oh, we ought to have debates. And uh, they're boring as hell, and and up until this year they're, they're, they're different because up until now what you would have, I never watched them, but you would feel the reports and uh, – Nobody made a fatal gaffe, and nobody scored a knockout punch. And I know that you have those debates over there in Europe because I would hear reports coming from places like Sweden and France, and where they, you know, they want to ape what goes on in the United States democracy. They have these debates, and I'd hear these same exact phrases: nobody scored a knockout punch. So, uh, but this year they're they're a bit raucous, you know. So actually, they're an improvement over what's gone on before. But I don't think they're, you know, I don't. They're not, you know, it's idiotic to choose your president based on this sort of spectacle. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I think Trump's your president. I mean, I'm, I don't relish it. I mean, I really don't. But uh, um, but uh, really, you look at the candidates. I mean, uh, uh, Bernie Sanders has some positive aspects. And Rand Paul, those were the only two that do have, have any sort of positive aspects to them, you know. But... Uh, and I don't think Sanders, I don't know what will happen, but uh, Rand Paul gone. So, I mean, Trump at least would be entertaining. That's all I can say for it. Yeah, he put on a good show, good yeah. reality TV show. Yeah. and uh, That's the most important uh, part of the stage. Yeah. And uh, so, anyway, that's just my comment. I think he's going to win. I hate to tell you that, but uh, I just... Uh, uh. I don't see it changing, you know. It's just Americans are stupid, you know. I mean, they just they're just fixated. They, there's nothing you can do. You can do no wrong. And like Jimmy Carter was just the same way. If anybody who's lived through that, you can go back and read about that. And just he just who was he? And he's you know he's party turned against him, and he's an outsider, and he's this and he's that, and people just. I mean, there was people going down to this Plains, Georgia. They had a brother had a guest, and there was there were people making pilgrimages down in a little town where. You know where he lived. You know because they were so infatuated with him. So, I mean, I, I just, yeah. I, I'm having deja vu. I hope I'm wrong, but mm-hmm. uh, right. So. Yeah, all right, right, I'm, I'm done. Okay, thanks, right. million for calling. Thanks. Have a good day. All right. Thank you. Bye. Thanks, Ken. Bye, bye. I'm, ho- I'm hoping for a, um, a Clinton Trump ticket. Oh yeah. The dream team. Yeah, that would be cool. That would be just kick ass. Trump could say, Trump could then say, you know, um, I could kill someone. And Hillary could go, ah! <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah. <laughs> Trump could say, I could kill someone and still not lose vo- voters, and uh, and then Hillary could go and do it. Yeah. Then she could go and actually kill the people. Yeah, and it could be on, like, Saturday Night Live, yeah. except then they go, that was actually real. Yeah. And then they wouldn't know if it was comedy, if it was real. Doesn't matter. Doesn't so matter. Doesn't matter. Sa- Sanders was actually on Saturday Night Live mm. this week. Mm-hmm. A presidential candidate. This is the serious one. Yeah. Goes on a comedy skit. Yeah. Well, it's all a big joke anyway. To get the votes. Yeah. Um, might be a topic for another day, but maybe the problem is democracy. Yeah. Democracy. I mean, if America is the leading democracy, and this is also the leading problem in the world, the United States, you know, as an institution, the way it's become today, maybe the problem is democracy. Yeah. We need dictatorship. Of some kind. <laughs> this world needs oh, it, an animal. It's, it's well, dictatorship. That, uh... Dictatorship has a negative connotation precisely because the Democrats gave it one, but maybe that's not actually true. Mm. You know? If somebody's going to say something there, Shane? Yeah. Um, no, I was just going to say that it strikes me that you know the the creation of you know, so-called modern democracy, you know, has has really made people uh, susceptible to pathological types. Um, you know, because they do identify uh, and kind of attach themselves more um, than than they would, you know, uh, than under, under different systems. You know, under you know, uh, no overt dictatorship, or you know, even going back uh, hundreds of years. You know, people didn't identify with their leaders like they do now. And, you know, it just seems that that kind of creates this opening where they do uh, accept uh, the, the these pathological traits and behavior uh, more readily, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, see, it's more easily masked, I think, under the idea of democracy, you know, because you have all these people running for, for like, you know, anybody can be president, basically, yeah. so you can get anybody who can come up yeah. to the ranks. The assumption is that competition breeds the best. Um, I think the evidence is in, and competition, in fact, ends up breeding the worst. Especially in the, the corporate world, the media world, et cetera, et cetera. Well, Ca- capitalism that. always tends to monopoly, which is the same as communism. Well, and democracy always tends to a dictatorship of sorts. Especially in a polarized world or a world uh, yeah. run by psychopaths where the whole system, I mean, no system is inherently bad except unless it's under the influence of, of psychopaths. Agreed. Yeah. Um, do you want to touch on our other subtopic for today? The economy. The economy. Is the economy stupid? Yes. The economy, that's our only saving grace. The economy is going to come and save everybody by throwing itself off a cliff and just upsetting the whole farcical game that we're being forced to sit and watch and pretend is real when it's not really real at all. It's not serious. I mean, as in these people are not serious people. The exception of one or two, maybe, but the front runners, none of them are serious people. I mean, look at Donald Trump. He's not a serious person. Of course, he looks like a serious person to other non-serious people. But to people who are serious and have, you know, some sense, 
He looks like an idiot, and that's what he is. Basically, if you like Donald Trump, you're an idiot. I'm sorry to have to say that. If you like Hillary Clinton, you're a psycho killer, uh, or you, you want to be one subconsciously. If you like <laughs> Ted Cruz, uh, you probably should be locked up. If <clears throat> if you like Jeb Bush, you have a serious memory problems. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it would be nice if because none of this, so none of that is serious. I mean, I mean, anybody takes those people seriously are not serious people themselves. So to save all of the people who have some sanity about them uh, in the world, we need something to come along and wreck the whole system. Uh, nothing would do that better, with the exception of one thing, but nothing would do that better than them. They get the economy going, going uh, off the edge of a cliff, and or in whatever way. I mean, of course, it's probably it's mostly rigged and uh, uh, manufactured. The, the, the whole idea of the global economy is controlled. It's not a natural, self-sustaining organism that somehow. I mean, listen to people talk about the economy these days. It's almost like it's self-aware in some description. You know, what are the markets thinking today? I don't know. Let me ask the market. Where do, where do I find the market around here? Well, there's one over there. If you stand on that street corner, you can go and ask that market what it's feeling. Ah, uh, okay. I'll just go and ask the market. Yeah. The market says it's feeling a bit, oh, a bit, a bit nauseous today. Oh, shit, I just lost like $10,000 in my shares because the market felt a bit nauseous. That's what these assholes talk. They talk like this. Yeah. The markets. Like, like it's some self-aware creature yeah, yeah, that has sprung into life type of thing <laughs> and now can direct the course of, of the economy. You know, and it's just bad as politics, you know, but that just points to the manufactured exactly. nature of it. In the same way as politics, it points to the manufactured nature of, 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 of the economic system. And so, but at the same time, I think there is a, there is a facility within the economic system where, uh, because it's so manufactured, it's set up in such a way that certain small groups of people can plunder it all the time, and it's always in their favor. But when those people push, when, when they dig too deep uh, or... or reach too far for you know, more and more wealth and, 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 and control of, of resources, that uh, it can reach a point where it's not that it'll collapse in some way because the economy of the world will just, I mean, there's nothing stopping the, the, fundament, the fundamentals of the economy from continuing to, mm. to operate, which is people working, raw products. Food still grow. Right, all that stuff, right? People still work. But... But there's a possibility that when these people reach too far and, and, and grasp for too much, that they would expose uh, the kind of manufactured nature of it. And in, in that exposure, you would have some kind of an economic crisis where they would say, oh, let's uh, you know, wreck it all or something. They, w- they would actually deliberately allow the economy to, the false economy that it actually is, to, to be exposed as false, to collapse in some way. And of course, it's all based on sentiment, you know. It's basically everybody getting the jitters, you know. It's like in a group of people, if you tell everybody that, you know, tell them something that really unnerves them and stuff, and then someone tells, tells the other person that something bad's going to happen, and they all get very, very kind of anxious and start freaking out and stuff, well, some of them might, you know, take that a bit far and start wrecking the place or something or, or, or do irrational things, you know, uh, based on their, that feeling, the, the sentiment in the markets. And that, in some way, it's not that it would destroy the global economy, but that it would cause a, uh, the, the mechanisms which allow the economy to actually operate, the real mechanisms, would be withdrawn. Primarily, well, uh, for, for one example, would be like banking loans. If banks started to stop loaning to people, for example, stop loaning to corporations, then, yeah, you would have a tangible uh, collapse 
of this economy such as it is, even though it's a false economy, it's not just based on ordinary people working and produce and all that kind of stuff, but the equity markets and all that kind of stuff, derivatives markets, that could all collapse. And in that situation, the economy would collapse in the sense that the people who have been making money out of nothing, out of thin air, basically, uh, they would no longer be able to do that because that false aspect of it would be would be taken away or would be would be pulled down. And then that would have knock-on real-world events where, like, banks would stop well, loaning or well, people would withdraw their... The, the way we have... The, the way it happened last time, 2008, the way it has knock-on real-world effects in the real economy is that those people go, oh, God, I just lost absolutely everything. Oh, hang on. I'm going to be fully remunerated by the sweat of the work of the people. And that's right. where all the taxes went. Mm-hmm. So the... They lost everything, and they didn't lose any of it. So that's where the real economy imposed. Yes. So somebody deliberately try, uh, effectively screws over an economy by taking more and more out of it or cutting off supply lines, basically, because they don't want to, they've lost, and they decide that I should cut off the supply line of cash, of capital, of whatever. I should cut that off uh, to stop my anymore or to try and recoup my losses or something. And that has knock-on effects. If everybody does that, if everybody starts pulling in their reins, basically, you know, it's a false economy. But if you take it away, then if it's a false economy, economy, and you and you the, the mechanisms are 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 pulled in, are 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 stopped, then if the actual economy is based on a, on, on a falsehood, but you take that falsehood away, then you do have a kind of real collapse. But it's only because it's based on a falsehood to begin with, you know. Well, and it's being pushed too far. You know, it, it seems similar to the dynamic that you described earlier, Joe, with the, um, the refugee crisis. Yeah, the uh, the elite are, are manufacturing this chaos, but it can go in this direction where it's this uncontrolled chaos. And you know it, that seems there seems to be these parallels with with the economy too. You know, they're 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 driving down uh, oil prices. In order to to try to hurt you know Russia, and meanwhile you know they're they're collapsing segments of the economy in in, in doing so. So you know they're they're shooting themselves right. in the foot. Right, and, and countries may take uh, this aggressive uh, uh, these aggressive moves that the U.S. in particular has been have been taking against Russia, for example, to try and maintain U.S. economic hegemony around the world by, by uh, trying to hurt Russia and other countries that fall out of favor, uh, they, could, they could provoke or, or cause those other countries like Russia to take actions to per, that, that they need to take to protect themselves, uh, and that then can have tangible real-world effects on the flow of goods, whatever, if, if a country becomes very um, uh, kind of uh, inward-looking or insular, in terms of its economic policy, it could it could decide that if things get so bad, if you push us to the wall, we're going to kind of take actions that stop the flow of goods, for example, stop the flow of oil. I mean, there's many knock-on effects involved in this because everybody's kind of trading with everybody else. But if, imagine if the same thing happened with, with China. If China was forced to take some kind of a drastic action to to mm-hmm. to, um, to protect its own economy, if, if it stopped, for example, purchasing so much, stopped actually engaging in the global economy, if, of course, there's a lot of real-world world, world goods flowing around the, the sea, the, the, the planet, mostly in boats. The single biggest shipping lane in the world goes from China to the U.S. Right. Imagine that, that stick they have over the U.S. Mm. Well, <laughs> they, they could physically intervene there. 
And that would yeah. be curtains. Right, the there's United a tipping States. point. Something big like that mm-hmm. could happen that then would have so many knock-on effects into the kind of false economy where everybody would get the jitters, everybody would try and protect themselves, and everybody would pull, pull in their horns, basically, pull in their, all, their, all their investment or their activity in, in the economy. And if that happens at state levels, then, yeah, you do have a contraction of actual, the, the actual trade, the actual physical trade going around the world. And ultimately, it's always the poorest people who would suffer from that, you know? Mm-hmm. Ship supplies of wheat and grains and all sorts of other things landing in countries that feed a, uh, a large percentage of the population. If that stops, then you have a, a serious crisis. Governments could fall. I mean, there's so many knock-on effects that that could have, you know? But um, the reason we're discussing this today which we, we, we do periodically, but the reason we're discussing this at all is because we're noticing the mainstream financial press, whether it's in the British Telegraph or uh, the business pages of the mm. New York Times, you name it, they're all talking the same talk. They're, they're talking about a systemic crisis right. imminent. Right. Now, are they? the question is, are they bracing people, you know, uh, to the extent that you're suggesting there is a hidden hand behind this intention in the sense of um, deliberately setting it up to fall by just withdrawing what normally takes place mm. to keep things relatively managed yeah. and stable, or is this more? Is this more? Is it more mundane than that? Is it more like this is the mass unconsciousness tapping into? What is pick, you know? It's feeding. We're picking it up. Mm-hmm. People are picking up on this reality. That it's not sustainable anymore. Yeah. People are picking up on global kind of weather events and all that kind of stuff as well, and seeing the environment, the actual biosphere being much more unstable. Well, uh, yeah, that could play into. Then that could play into like I mean that's ultimately going to have uh, effects on on crop production with the changing weather patterns, with floods and droughts all over the world. I mean, there's a, that that's coming at some point where there's a. A massive uh, shock to the to the supply of food in the world, you know, and that again has knock-on effects as well. As soon as something like that happens, the point here to remember is that as soon as something like that happens on a large scale, and even in just one country, everybody else gets scared. This is where they talk about the market sentiment and jitters in the market and stuff. Uh, other countries suddenly see a, a, a potential for them losing out in some way, so they all take. The, the normal flow, the, the imbalance, very imbalanced flow of, of resources on this planet, if, that, if there's something kind of gets st- stuck in, in that mechanism and, and stops that normal flow, then everybody starts to say, well, me first, you know, put, I'm number one, baby, so I'm going to protect myself. And if everybody does that, or if there's a contagion that spreads where everybody says, I'm going to protect myself, everybody pulls back uh, from, the, from the game, basically. And, yeah, I mean, you can have... Uh, a serious problem with the the or a hiccup in in the actual flow of goods around the world, you know, and then that has not gone effects for economies where it kind of spirals out of control. Uh, it's just the whole thing is just so manufactured and, and set up in a certain way that anything that would uh, happen it could be environmental to, to to upset that balance effectively, even though it's an imbalance, uh, would have a knock-on effect on the entire system. And that's what we're saying is that that could actually and environment is one thing that could uh, could be a precipitation of that. Go ahead, Shane. Well, I was I was just wondering what we thought of the fact that. Hey, uh, do you hear me? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. Um, so, 
it really is a perfect storm of uh, you know the potential for the economy to collapse on top of it you know like like we were discussing earlier on top of the the uh immigration crisis in Europe and uh all of these flashpoints in the Middle East especially in Syria right now things are about to or look like they may be about to get far worse uh with uh Turkey amassing its troops by the border and uh and you know Russia saying you know you you cannot fly in Syrian airspace and just all of these things happening at the same time um so do we have any thoughts as to as to how it is that these huge uh potentially devastating uh things that all kind of have reverberations one onto the other it's all happening more or less simultaneously mm-hmm. and um you know making the effects of of each far worse uh than we would have alone which you know independently of one another would be disastrous but together would be you know as is written in the the show description just the perfect storm mm-hmm. how is it that all of these things are happening more or less simultaneously well I think they'll feed off each other, and it's like Neil was saying there, a kind of mass consciousness where as the as the pathology and uh, polarization, the psychopathologization mm-hmm. of, of, of society around the world, like the values, normal human values are, are gone, effectively, are being increasingly eroded to the point where people are just living uh, inane, non-creative, you know, destructive, uh, just almost, you know, just dumbed down, almost pointless lives, you know, where they're their, what what human beings could be and could experience on this planet is, is, is just a pipe dream at this point compared to the way normal, normal people live their lives. They don't interact with each other uh, in any significant way. They don't kind of, they're not honest with each other. They don't express uh, how they feel to each other. They don't share anything with each other. There's no sense of community in so many places around the world. And uh, and also the massive imbalance of um, of. of where you have the West just basically having plundered the world for hundreds of years and left vast waves of the, of the world and people impoverished and suffering. I mean, there's just a massive imbalance in, in all of it. And I think as that has continued for, for, for quite a long time and, and been taken to uh, ridiculous and unreasonable uh, extremes at this point, that uh, all of these things just kind of coalesce as, as, they, as they push the world and its people and squeeze them and, and make their lives more and more uh, more and more difficult and increase the suffering on the planet. Then the planet itself. I mean, it's it's I, what the mechanism is. We don't really know for sure, but there seems to be, uh, like you're saying, Alana, coincidence of that kind of level of suffering at the human level and also the the kind of uh, instability of the planet on a environmental or geologic level, and and. It, even as that, as that is happening, you see the psychopaths who are ultimately responsible for this state of affairs, uh, the, their excesses just keep keep going. They get worse and worse and worse. They, they, they act more and more crazy. They take more and more uh, ridiculous actions. They act in more and more uh, unreasonable and irrational ways. And, yeah, it's, it's out of control. It's like a, a speeding train down the hill. It just gathers speed, and it's, it's going nowhere good, you know. And um, I think... For the, those of us who are watching it, just need to continue to watch the show and uh, and realize that, you know, uh, we're certainly, from a psychological, emotional, 
on, on even a physical level, we're not involved in that. We're not participating in it. We've been railing against it for, for a long time, and uh, we certainly do not want to be a part of it. We're not, we're not going where these people seem to want to go, the psychopaths in power and the, and the blind followers who just have no sense uh, and cannot see where it's going. They're, they're following on uh, in lockstep. And for the rest of us who see that, we just go, well, you know, go ahead then. You know, There's too many of you uh, who want to push things in this direction, just either passively or actively. Uh, but uh, I don't know, yeah, we're stuck on the same planet, but certainly ideologically and emotionally, I ain't going there. And at every opportunity, I'm going to kind of point out that this is a really freaking bad idea. And I, ain't, well, I don't want to be a part of it. And that's the most we can do, I think. And, and, uh, and not see any of these developments in isolation, but all part of the same... Uh, systemic issue, which is that uh, yeah, this virus of pathological thinking has right. is, is spreading. Right. Alternatively, I would like just to be given a couple of days to go around the world and ring a load of necks. You know. Okay. Uh, I, I mean, not. I don't know if that would help, but and and you know, some well placed kicks in the ass. You know, I would just I'd, I could draw up a short list and I would go and get my Trying up my boots, and just you know, if if ass kicking could, Queen of Hearts, <laughs> King of Spades, if if ass kicking could sort it out, <laughs> then I would I would volunteer, you know, I mean to just go around and kick some asses, and wring some necks, and you know, shout at people, you know, you sit down, you over there, shut the <laughs> hell up, you, Trump, get back in your. Who would you start with though? There are so many. <laughs> I would well, there's I could drop a, a relatively short list, and it would I think it would it would help a lot, you know. Okay. I would. I mean, I don't know. I'd, I'd maybe I'd, I'd carry like a cannon with me, you know, one of those cannons they use in circuses or whatever, and I would just put people in. I put Hillary in it and <laughs> shoot her off. I don't know, off off a off a continental shelf or something. I don't know, you know, or I could come up with ideas, you know, about how just to isolate these people like a virus, like you were saying, Alan, isolate them from the human population, you know. Um, but first of all, they have to be put in their place. You know, they have to be told. You shut up. You're not getting on TV anymore. You go and hide. Away. You're in the naughty corner. You're you're grounded. You shut the hell up and you too. Erdogan, don't even start. I'm serious, Erdogan. I have had it up to here with you. And I say, no, I have to go back because I've got some gardening to do, but I'm going to leave Putin in charge. You listen to what he says, do what he says, or I'll be back. With my cannon, <clears throat> and it'll be a bigger cannon that fires people into the sun. Next time, your own warning. Sword, but failing that, I think we we'll just have to leave the planet and the uh, the living system, or whatever, to work its magic, to follow its course. <clears throat> As George Carlin said, the planet is fine, but the people, yeah, uh, they're in trouble. Yeah, well, they'll all learn something, I hope. We'll all learn something in the process. But um, listen, I think we're going to leave it there for this week, folks, unless there's some other pressing matters we wanted to talk about. But uh, no. Any last words? No. Silence. Yeah, we'll Silence. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. We're all good. 
Okay. Well, listen, guys, thanks a million for uh, coming on here and talking to us. It's always great to uh, throw around some ideas and share the kind of different, well, not very different perspectives, but, you know, from a different angle, let's say, uh, the same perspectives. Um, Alan and Shane and Bahar, uh, thanks a million, you guys, for coming on. And we'll have to do it again at some point. Thank you so much for having us on. Thank you. And vice versa. No problem. And thanks to our listeners and to... uh, Yeah, absolutely. And listen to uh, thanks to our lis- listeners and our callers and our to chatters. our chatters, of course. And there was also people chatting on our new burgeoning embryonic uh, SAT radio network, our in-house one that is going to be so cool and so much better. Uh, next week, it'll be back uh, with even more new improvements, etc. And at some point, we're going to go live. And like we've been saying for the past couple of weeks, ditch these losers at Blog Talk Radio. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, so guys, listen, thanks uh, again, and uh, thanks yeah, to everybody for listening and calling and chatting and etc. Uh, we will be back uh, next week, as will the other shows, so tune in uh, next Friday, Saturday, for the uh, Health Wellness Show and the Truth, uh, Truth Perspective, and we'll be back next Sunday on the same show behind the headlines. Um, so, until then, have a good one. See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Take care, everyone.